Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1114 of the Juice Box Podcast. Kayla's daughter had an A1C of over 13 and a blood glucose of over 1,000 when she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Now Zoe is home and inquisitive about what happened to her at the hospital and dreaming of being a nurse. And her mom is on the Juice Box podcast. Please don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Don't forget to save 40% off of your entire order at CozyEarth.com. All you have to do is use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. That's JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% at CozyEarth.com. When you place your first order for AG1 with my link, you'll get five free travel packs and a free year's supply of vitamin D. Drink AG1.com slash JUICEBOX. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the insulin pump that my daughter wears, Omnipod. Learn more and get started today with the Omnipod Dash or the Omnipod 5 at my link, omnipod.com slash juicebox. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. I am Kayla. I am from the Midwest. I don't know what else you want to know and how you want me to introduce myself. Well, that you're Kayla is good. That's a good start. <laughs> Do you have type 1 diabetes or are you the parent of someone with type 1? I am the parent of someone with type 1. Do you want me to go over her diagnosis or? <laughs> Kayla, you don't have to ask me every time before you talk. It's okay. <laughs> uh, well, so how old is it's your, do- it's your daughter? It is my daughter, my middle child, actually. Um, She was diagnosed January 10th of last year. That was 20 days before her 10th birthday. Jan 10, I'm sorry, 2022, right? 2022, yep. Okay. And I'm sorry, right before her what birthday? Right before her 10th birthday. Okay. And she's your middle. So you have older, younger, how much older, how much younger? Um, Yep. Her brother is 12 going on 13. And then the youngest, it will be nine this fall. Okay. Um, So she's literally right there in the middle. Neither of those kids have diabetes? No, they, no, they do not. Um, Thank goodness. That's been a paranoia of mine ever since she got diagnosed. And (laughs) I bet. Yeah. Um, How about other autoimmune issues in your family? Not with my kids. Um, my husband has an autoimmune disorder. He has psoriasis. In distant family on his side, it, come to find out, there is a couple of type 1 diabetics, which we did not know about until after our daughter got diagnosed. Wow. Do you know so, like how far back in his family? I would say they'd probably fourth cousin to our kids. Gotcha. Somewhere in there. So. Wow. Okay. And how did you find out afterwards? You start asking around with the family? Yes, yeah, so we started asking around and stuff. Um, 
with the family and whatnot. And one of them actually reached out to me while she was in the hospital and to offer support and stuff. And if we had any questions and things like that, her daughter had got diagnosed, I think a couple years before ours, she's 16 or so now. So she would have been diagnosed as a teenager. Yeah. No one ever comes up to you prior and says, Hey, before you make a bunch of kids, (laughs) we just want to let you know. No, they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Everybody's like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I don't know what that means, but okay. So uh, well, that's interesting. So you had uh, somebody reach out who I'm assuming you're not like very close to, right? Um, no, it's, um, you know, the ones that reach out, we see them at, you know, the twice a year family dinners type of thing. Mm-hmm. So was that helpful hearing from someone? It was. She she offered a lot of support. And I actually did reach out to her when I was setting up my daughter's Dexcom for the first time. She helped me over the phone with that and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, she's been pretty helpful. Nice. Well, that's great. Okay, so how did your, well, because this was obviously a surprise to your family. Yes. How did it present? You know, looking back prior to her diagnosis, there were signs that, you know, you just don't really correlate with, you never really think your kid's going to have type 1 diabetes. But right before she got diagnosed, so that Saturday, she played point in a basketball tournament. She had a couple games and I helped coach and she kept coming up to me and saying, hey, I'm like, I seem extra thirsty and I'm like, oh, well, you're just playing hard game. Just drink some more water. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And that sounds terrible. But and then I remember her hair being staticky and I'm not sure if that has anything to do with it, but I just remember her hair being extra staticky. And then that <laughs> yeah. Sunday she started vomiting and stuff. And then I was like, oh, it's just a stomach flu at that point. You know, you still don't register the type yeah. of diabetes aspect. Sure. Yeah. No, I there'd be no that, reason to. Yeah, and then that night she um got the vomiting got progressively worse and more like forceful. And so um we did the whole liquids and all of that. She just wasn't keeping anything down. And I told myself in the morning if she still wasn't getting any better, I would take her in. Well, we ended up falling asleep for a little bit and woke up about I think it was about six in the morning. She fell going to the bathroom and her face just she woke up, her face was sunken in. And I was like, well, this is not a normal flu. Yeah. And then she asked me, so she fell going to the bathroom and my son was going over to school. So that was fine. I think my youngest was home. My youngest was homesick and I can't for the life of me remember why. I think it was a cold or something. At that point, you, there's some details that you just don't remember. So I remember calling my mom to come get my youngest and my daughter looked at me and asked me and she must have felt different. She looked at me and she asked me, she goes, am I going to live? And I was like... Oh, crap. That gets you, you know. Wow, really? And she did. So like, it must have felt different to her, too. Kayla, like, not ironically, or she wasn't trying to be funny or anything. She had a real concern for herself. No, yeah. Because she usually, all of my kids can usually handle sicknesses like champs. Wow. And so it just, I've always wondered if it felt different to her somehow. And so we took her into the emergency room. And within five minutes, that nurse is like, has she ever had any blood sugar issues? And I said, no. He took her blood sugar and she, she maxed out their thing. I mean, he couldn't even get a number. He said she has diabetes. My husband was at work and of course I call him and he came. And so her actual stats at diagnosis, she had an A1C of 13.2 and her blood sugar was 1,121. Holy hell. Her ketones were slightly above six. She got transported via ambulance down to Children's Mercy in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. She was in the PICU for overnight there and stuff. They slowly brought her blood sugars down. And, you know, we got to go home Thursday evening. So she went there in there Monday. We got to go home Thursday evening. 
it was just a whirlwind after that. You know, that four days you're learning, they throw these binders at you and say, here's a four hour crash course on type one diabetes, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was just crazy. (laughs) You know, I just talked today to a doctor. I'm going to do a speaking event later this year. And I was speaking to a doctor at a hospital where it's going to be at. And we talked about that very thing about how impossible it really is to hear what's being said to you in a moment like that. And, and like, m- like maybe you even hear it and you're nodding along with it, but you can't recall it later. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's the worst, it's the worst situation because they have to tell you something. And at the same time, you're going to have very little ability to recollect it when you need it later. Well, and she was right, huh? Like to ask, am I going to live? She was. Yeah. And you know, when she woke up the next morning, I just looked at her. I knew something was different. And then her to ask me that, that just kind of verified what I was feeling in that moment too. And yeah. it was just, it was not good. But, and then of course, you know, at that point we went down to Casey with her and stayed there. And my mom kept my other two kids and they were worried. And, you know, so you have everybody worried and yeah, it's just, What's insane? and then, you know, before we leave the hospital, you know, we're like, how do we know if we're doing this right? And they're like, oh, well, if you're not doing it right, you'll be back here and she'll be in DKA again. Oh. Like, that's comforting. That's, thank you. <laughs> which, which Kansas City was this? Isn't there two? Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri, okay. Um, but, you know, honestly, they were great. Um, the nutritionist, well, the diabetes nutritionist or whatever, the one that gave us the four-hour course, she was great. And my daughter even... My daughter wants to be a nurse when she gets older. She's always been adamant about that. So she was even asking them questions and things like that. You know, what are you doing and all of that. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm a note taker. Even then when I listen to your podcast, I have a notebook. I'm a note taker. And so luckily we've never been back in the hospital yet. But, you know, you leave the hospital with this information and stuff. And then you start listening to your podcast and you know, you leave the hospital with a target blood sugar of 150, and then you listen to these podcasts and stuff, and you're like, 150 is not okay. Yeah. And so I've been a, I've been more strict with things like that after I started listening to your podcast and stuff. Cool. And well, I'm glad. It's just, she, yeah, because I remember, so she got released Thursday. I used Friday to kind of get everything gathered and whatnot. And then I was dealing with some things on the family side you know, back home that I probably can't discuss. But um, and then she went back to school that following Monday because she's very adamant about school and sports and her extracurriculars. And so that Friday, I already had already set up a 504 meeting and everything with the school. But that Monday, you know, you're still clueless because she's had diabetes for that, you know, about for a week. Yeah. And so I drop her off at school and her blood sugar is sitting at 383. I'm like, this can't be OK. I'm like, do I give more insulin or what do I do? You know, mm-hmm. I just. And, but thankfully we got everything ironed out and stuff. And I've learned a lot listening to these podcasts and, and honestly, I've probably managed it off of more of this than what the doctors even tell me. I go into endo appointments and he's like, do you have any questions? And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, I'm looking at our charts and everything. He goes, I have nothing because I really have nothing to say to you. (laughs) Can I, can I have my $40 back then, please? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, exactly. I'm just like, why am I here then every four months? But if you're not going to offer anything, I would like to uh, suggest you just send me the prescriptions and uh, I'll take care of the rest. That's uh, yes, no, that's I mean, it's great that you found a rhythm already in a year. Did she 
adjust well to it? Or what was the first couple of months like for her? She jumped right back into things. Um, so like I said, she went back to school that following Monday. Um, and then she went back to basketball two weeks after diagnosis. And then, um, and we were already on the Dexcom like a weekend. So that made me feel more comfortable with things like that. She already went back to math team for Stuco meetings because she was Stuco secretary at that time. Um, she went back to attending the youth group every other Wednesday night. We also had her birthday party January 30th and she was gathered around her table with her friends, you know, letting them practice taking her blood sugar. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, and she gives herself her shots and stuff. And so I think she adjusted well. I mean, I noticed towards the end of this school year, she got significantly more stressed out with having to leave the classroom to take corrections when needed because she doesn't like to do her shots in front of anybody. Okay. So we did have kind of an issue with that. She's so afraid on missing out on something. And so that's kind of an issue that I think we're still probably going to be working into in the next school year, to be honest. Um, Cause she won't do a pump. I don't, she tried the Omnipod doesn't like the bulkiness of it. And we haven't tried the T slim, but if she doesn't like the bulkiness of the Omnipod, she's not going to like the T slim. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, if she's willing to do all the injections, I don't see what the problem is. What's the thing that happens in school. You say she doesn't want to miss out or she doesn't like doing it around people. She doesn't both of them. She doesn't like taking the shots in front of other students and she doesn't like leaving the classroom. because She's afraid she's going to miss out on instruction or something. I see. So that's when she has to take a correction. That's almost kind of an issue. So I notice she'll kind of, ignore my text for a little while because we we text in school and stuff i've got the nurse on her message thread and so we all kind of are on the same thread you know so we're all in communication and stuff and mm -hmm. and so i've how does that yeah, that how does that manifest as an issue does she ignore text does she just slow walk going to the nurse or how does that happen she doesn't ignore them essentially she'll eventually message me back if it's i know she doesn't ever ignore low mm-hmm but when she starts to run a little bit high and see, I've got my Dexcom, I've got our Dexcom alert set from 75 to 140. Mm -hmm. And if she starts to run a little bit high, I'll message her, you know, you need to take a correction and I'll let it go for a little while, depending on how high she's getting. But there's been a couple of times where I've had to call the school and say, Hey, can you go pull Zoe? And, but then she'll typically message me if she's in the middle of a test or something, I'll kind of let it slide for a little bit, but usually she tries to finish what she's doing before she'll leave the classroom to correct. Yeah. And I've told her, I said, that's okay. Sometimes I said, but sometimes it's, it's not. And she's going into the middle school next year, which is our elementary middle school is separated. And so I don't know if it's going to be more of an issue or less of an issue going we into next year. It's going to be a whole new ball game essentially. Yeah. And in that, scenario like she wasn't comforted by the idea of pushing a button on her pump and not having to leave the room she was and we've talked about it and i had almost got her convinced to try the omnipod again this summer simply because so she wouldn't feel like she had to leave the classroom and stuff right and she just i i don't know what it is she just doesn't doesn't want that other thing on her body yeah. i don't i don't know well, i mean it's <laughs> fair enough you know um I'm sure she'll, if she, you know, decides differently, I'm sure she'll let you know. Yeah, but see, when she's at friends' houses or grandparents or something, I mean, she does it, mm -hmm. she does it all without complaining. It's just school. She does not like to leave the classroom. Yeah, but it's interesting. I would have, like, given anything to leave my classroom. <laughs> Any excuse no, she, at all? She is very particular about 
trying to get those straight A's. And yeah. Well, very nice. Good for her. All right. Well, then, I mean, and it's not that big of an issue. I would imagine her, it sounds like her management's going well, right? Yeah, it's going, it's going well. So a month after her diagnosis. So by her first appointment, we went to her appointment with her endo three months after diagnosis. He's like, you know, he goes, I'm sure because I don't think you probably have experienced illness and stuff yet. And I was like, oh, heck, one month after diagnosis, I said, all three of our kids went through influenza, A, the stomach flu and upper respiratory. Jeez. <laughs> all within a month. So <laughs> I was like, we've got that down pat. Yeah. Like, I know influenza A and upper respiratories, her ketones tend to run higher. She needs more insulin, stomach flu, she needs less. And mm. I'm like, we've got it. We've got it down. Yeah. A little trial by fire. You, you got a little bit of everything there in the beginning. Yes, we did. How about did. how about a honeymoon? Was there any honeymoon to speak of? I mean, it doesn't sound like it with what her blood sugar was when you found out, but you know, I I still don't know. And I've asked myself that, you know, a few times like is she honeymooning or I st- honestly still can't tell you if she ever honeymoon because I don't ever feel like there's been a flipping point where she's required more or or not. Right. Cuz she's still just on she left the hospital on 9 units of insulin a day for her basiglar and she's still only on 14 units and it's fluctuated a little bit yeah but but not a lot she's 10 she doesn't get her period yet i imagine no no um, nope and i'm not not looking forward to that no trust me there's a number of reasons you wouldn't want to look forward to that uh, <laughs> some of them you've lived through and are aware of um yeah yeah <laughs> How she looks just like you, by the way. I'm sorry to stalk you online, but <laughs> you and she look so similar. It's it's really something. Do you? Do yes. You, do you see that? Yeah, I get. I get. So I see. I personally think she looks more like her dad, but I do get told a lot that she looks like me. So uh, your son looks like your husband, and the and the little one's a mix. Well, he man, acts I, like him too, but yeah. we will stay out of that. <laughs> the, the little one seems like a mix. But the your daughter that we're talking yeah. about, I mean, she's got your nose and your eyes and your mouth and like everything. So yeah, oh, that's crazy. Yep, very cool. Is that your husband's hair color that they have? So so no, his is more of like a dirty blonde. And so back when I was pregnant with my son, he got reconnected with his biological father, and we walked into that family reunion, and there were redheads everywhere. Oh. And I looked at him, I was like, oh no. And not that there's anything wrong with redheads, but I never suspected that we would have a redheaded child. And I know there's redheads on my side of the family, but I ended up with two redheads. Yeah. So <laughs> well, they're, they're adorable. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So what makes you want to come on the podcast? What What made you reach out? So basically the podcast has just helped me a lot and whatnot. And I just, I just wanted to reach out and let you guys know that and stuff. And oh. it's really honestly like even her illnesses in her first month after diagnosis. I mean, I specifically looked for episodes on illness in your podcast and listened to them. Did, and I, I just. Well, well, you're a good person to ask, Kayla. I didn't mean to cut you off, but. Um, no, you're fine. Yeah, we do this thing in the Facebook group, right? People ask questions and mm-hmm. there's a, a group experts in the Facebook group, which means these are people who are interested in helping and um, have a, an understanding of like what's inside of the podcast when there's so many episodes, it's you know kind of hard to keep all straight. And they come in and they answer questions. Like people say, like I have a question about this, and they'll say, "There's an episode about that right here." And so you were doing that. You're using the podcast when you have yes. questions. I'm very interested in, in how that worked for you. Like 
you just, did you go online, dig them up? Did you ask on Facebook? And how do you find them? And then how did you put them into practice? In 2015, I needed support to start making this podcast, and Omnipod was there. They bought my first ad. In a year when the entire podcast got as many downloads as it probably got today, Omnipod was there to support the show. And they have been every year for nine seasons. I want to thank them very much, and I want to ask you to check them out at Omnipod.com slash juicebox. If you'd like to wear the same insulin pump that Arden does, all you have to do is go to Omnipod.com slash juicebox. That's it. Head over now and get started today, and you'll be wearing the same tubeless insulin pump that Arden has been wearing since she was four years old. Um, so I would just go on the, the Juicebox podcast, the face group, the Facebook group mm-hmm. and hit search. And I would type in like a keynote of what I wanted to search. I would just go and start going through the threads and finding an episode. And I would go to the episode and listen to it. So even, so I knew there was one day a birthday party was coming up with like a bounce house and cake and all of that. I was like, I'm going to go find an episode on like jumping and things like that. And so I actually listened to like the trampoline episode, the variable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I applied that to the bounce house. And we've been and I've just I've listened to all the variable kind of episodes and because we do a lot of like hiking and stuff on vacations. And I've noticed even with sunburns, she spikes a little bit um, when we vacationed. I've got family back in Wyoming. When we went out that way, that's a little bit high of a higher altitude. I noticed her diabetes actually did supremely wonderful on vacation. And I don't know what it was. To, I can't tell you. But I noticed the best time that her diabetes acted was when we were up in the mountains at my uncle's cabin. She even ate full-fledged spaghetti. And I was like, she is going to spike, um, you know, and she she was wonderful. So like, I don't know if that's got anything to do with anything. But- yeah, yeah, yeah. At elevations, people report needing less insulin. So if you had great outcomes, my guess would be that she was getting more efficacy out of the insulin she had going, which might indicate that what she has when you're home might not be quite enough. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Do you think she- I never thought of it that way, but yeah. yeah. That's why I'm here, Kayla. <laughs> you tell the story, and then I think of it a different way. It's the whole podcast. <laughs> you understand. Uh, I never uh, thought yeah. of it that way. Yeah, so that that yeah, would be she my... Did, she did great on vacation. So yeah, that, that makes sense, actually. Was she... And I don't... Because I my first guess would have been, had you not mentioned the elevation, my first guess would have been, well, maybe she was more active on a vacation, but she plays basketball, so she already is pretty active. So that's yeah. what made me go past that and think about the elevation instead. Yeah, because she plays basketball, soccer, and and all of that. So yeah, so it's not it's not a lack of um, it's not a lack of uh, hydration. It's not a lack of running around. She's doing those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my thought would be if at elevations you get more bang for your buck from your insulin, because what you usually hear is that people who live at elevation use less insulin, but. In that case, then what you learned was your insulin was more powerful, but you weren't having lows, you were having better outcomes. So then I think, well, maybe, maybe then maybe some of your settings need to be adjusted. I never thought of that. That's how my brain works on that one. Anyway, let's get yeah, back to how sense. great the podcast is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, gosh. So being, being, I'm going to get incredibly serious here for a second. I apologize up front because you just got done working, right? You worked like a full day. Now you're doing this in your car. Yes, I work Monday through Friday, eight to five. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate you very much sitting in your car after work and making a podcast with me. 
I am not having a great week. My mom has passed away. And, oh, no. Um, and please, it's not why I'm telling you that. I'm telling you because I've not had a great week. And um, I didn't record a whole lot this week, uh, only when I needed to. Uh, and just to hear somebody talk about this thing that I made and how it was like accessible and valuable it made me feel good. And I haven't felt good in a couple of days. So I appreciate that very much. Well, that's, that's good. Cause they're, you know, I've, I've even reached out. Um, so I used to work with this guy and their kid was diagnosed with type one diabetes actually a couple months before Zoe. And I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, there's this wonderful, I don't know if she listens or not. It's like, but Hey, there's this wonderful podcast and stuff. And, you know, I went into not my first endo appointment, but my second endo appointment. And I did have some issues with the school, um, which I can get into that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, but I went into that endo appointment and I said, Hey, I'm like, this is what I need on my papers to give the school. I said, I want corrections above. Cause I think that point they were still saying, don't correct until you're, Oh my gosh. I want to say it was like 175 or something like that. I was like, I want corrections on the paper. I want to stay, stay above 140. And I said, I want it to stay this and this, you know, cause according to those papers, it was like give 15 grams of sugar for a low. Well, obviously 15 grams is way too much in most cases, to be honest. Right. And so the school is wanting to give her so many like 10, 15 Skittles and that would shoot her to the stratosphere. And so, I mean, I, I literally probably about every concept I apply, I have learned from the podcast versus the doctor's office. Oh, so thank you. That's, that's really so, great. Yes. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I needed that. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate that very much. So, so I felt weird and about, I, Oh, I'm sorry. You have something else to say. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Oh. I was even going to say, um, so she ended up, um, toward the end of last year, she ended up having to go to. KU, um, it's in Kansas City as well, mm-hmm. to get, she had a, can't remember what it's called, he, hemangioma, might have to correct me if I'm wrong, but she had a tumor of blood vessels in her hand. And so when we went to the doctor here where I'm from first, it's a smaller town. He's like, I don't, he goes, I can't tell you what that mass in her hand is because I'm going to send you on to a specialist. Well, that's when we got transferred to KU. But Zoe was sitting there and he said, they'll want to make sure it's not you know, double check and see if it's cancerous and stuff like that. Well, we're walking out and my Dexcom starts beeping and she's angled up and I could tell she was stressed about what the doctor said. We get in the van and she starts crying. I'm like, he should not have said cancerous in front of her. I just, but it turned out she just got sclerotherapy. Um, It wasn't cancerous or anything like that. And she's all good now. But so that was my first, um, they, kind of put her to sleep for it and everything. KU was great about it too. She's not the only type one diabetic they've dealt with, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's clear and good. But I actually, um, you've got an episode on something about emergency room visits and kind of things like that. I listened to that before I specifically went into that appointment. <laughs> I love you. You're the best. Kayla. So- <laughs> Thank you. By the way, everyone listening should listen to the podcast the way Kayla does. It's uh. by the way, also, I thought you said Chuck Mangione a minute ago and I was like, that can't be right. Hemangioma, um, it's like a tumor of blood vessels. Okay. So what they did was they just went and they injected her with this huge needle of stuff to basically kill off the, shrink the blood vessels in her tumor. Sounds really weird and kind of gross, but. No, it's amazing. But she, but she did great. And KU gave me um, updates every so often of her blood sugar while she was put to, you know, put to sleep and things like that. So. 
Well, and then actually while I was sitting in the waiting room for that, because I, I switched jobs too. I worked in insurance before this, what I do now. And so I'm sitting there in the waiting room, you know, still paranoid about her, but still comfortable. Mm-hmm. And my new boss is like, you know, he goes, I need a picture of your driver's license and stuff like that to get you started. And I'm like, okay, cred, you know, I just had a lot going on. And so I started a new job and all of that as well. So <laughs> I'm just fascinated that I know who Chuck Mangione is, but I don't know any of his music. How is that possible? How, how would I know a person's name, but not their work? Is that a name you know? It's not. It's not? No, you live in the middle no. of the country. I don't know what gets to you people. You I, you can't eat seafood there, right? Like it has. We to do be. have seafood. No, where? Where would you get it from? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's too far from the coasts. At the restaurant or the store. I'm sure it's not fresh. Yeah. I don't eat seafood. I can't stand seafood. My husband loves it. I'm going to guess it's because you've been buying it in the middle of the country. You really should just go west or east and then get some for yourself. Anyway, I'm, I'm just not sure what makes it to you is what I'm saying. The only seafood I've ever tried is fishing at a farm pond and, you know, skinning crappie and frying it up. No, 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 no. I don't mean like fish <laughs> out of a pond. No, no, no. What is this? A, what is this? A oh, bo- yeah. No, my husband likes crab and all of that. Yeah, yeah. We got to get not? you. We got to get you guys to a coast. Okay. Um, <laughs> is there? I know how everybody works. All we need is a basketball tournament in Maryland and you'll be all set. And if I said, go to Maryland, have some seafood, you'd say, I, I can't do that. I can't afford it. And if I said, oh, there's a basketball tournament for your daughter, you'd be like, oh, yeah, we should definitely go. <laughs> I've been to some places because of baseball. And I get there and I'm just like, where the hell are we? <laughs> like, where are we? Why are we here? Why are we doing this? Oh, my yes, God. Yes, I I feel that. We live in a small town, and so we have to travel a lot for, you know, Mm. my son's in football, basketball, and track. My daughter, this upcoming year, she'll have more sports opportunities, so she's doing, she's already had basketball and volleyball camp this summer. She'll be in soccer and all of that, so we actually have to travel quite a ways. I remember leaving work at 5 o'clock and making it to his track meet, like, right as he's running his last event or something. Yeah. And, I mean, they're over an hour away just to go to these sports events. Like, how... It's mean, crazy. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give everybody a great piece of advice. Give me two minutes, okay? If you take insulin or sulfonylureas, you are at risk for your blood sugar going too low. You need a safety net when it matters most. Be ready with Gvoke Hypopen. My daughter carries Gvoke Hypopen everywhere she goes because it's a ready-to-use rescue pen for treating very low blood sugar in people with diabetes ages two and above that I trust. Low blood sugar emergencies can happen unexpectedly, and they demand quick action. Luckily, Gvoke Hypopen can be administered in two simple steps, even by yourself in certain situations. Show those around you where you store Gvoke Hypopen and how to use it. They need to know how to use Gvoke Hypopen before an emergency situation happens. Learn more about why Gvoke Hypopen is in Arden's Diabetes Toolkit at gvokeglucagon.com slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used if you have a tumor in the gland on the top of your kidneys called a pheochromocytoma, or if you have a tumor in your pancreas called an insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk for safety information. Okay. And if you if your kids are already older, you probably got ripped off like this and you don't know it. So <laughs> one year we're told we have to go to Atlanta. Atlanta, yes. Um, and there's a baseball tournament there, and you have to go there because all the college scouts are going to be there, and blah, 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 blah. And you have to use this specific hotel. 
So we all go to the hotel, which I'm going to tell you seemed really overpriced for what it was. And it was dirty, like to the point where when Cole and I got there, the first thing we did before we unpacked was went back out and bought cleaning supplies and came back and we cleaned the bathroom ourselves before we even unpacked our clothes. Like that was the condition of the room. And these are like, we're two <laughs> boys, you know what I mean? Like, and we're like, I'm not getting in that tub. So that's the, the level of the room. And then the next year we head back and they tell us again, we have to go to this hotel. It's for team unity, they said. And I was like, this is bullshit. So I looked into <laughs> it more. And what I learned was that the baseball team was getting a cut of the hotel rooms. So they wow. forced us to go to the same place so that they could get a cut. And then they would say, if you don't use that hotel, your kids might not play. Like they literally strong armed you like that. So oh, wow. we went down there and Cole and I went to this much nicer hotel for less money. Uh, Cole played, by the way, that wasn't a problem. Uh, it was all all BS. And I'm going to count on my fingers. I apologize. 17, 18, 19, 20, 22. 20. Seven years later, my son ends up moving to Atlanta for a job. And we go to visit him. I randomly pick a hotel online. And I walk in and I go, oh, this is the hotel that Cole and I went to the second year when we, we refused to go to the crappy hotel. It was just such a weird moment. Like I walked into the lobby and I was like, I've been here before. And then I had this whole like baseball memory thing. And then it made me think of how they ripped us off for the hotel room, which is why you're now getting told that story. So um, <laughs> anyway, they're always full of crap. Don't worry. And I'll go over it again. You're either a player or a check. If you don't know which one you are, you're a check. <laughs> <Okay. Yep. laughs> That's it. 100%. Don't ever like go with your gut constantly. If you think we're being taken advantage of, you are being taken advantage of. So, yeah, yeah, agreed. That's it. Anyway, basketball, huh? Is she going to be tall enough? Can we get some college money out of this or is this just a fun thing? No, you know, I I think this is just a fun thing. She she's always had her her heart set on becoming a nurse and then she wants to do like sewing and stuff on the side. <laughs> she Nice. She's, it sounds really odd, but um, not at all. She loves painting and stuff too. She's actually a really good artist. Um, which I've got a picture. Obviously, I can't show you right now. Maybe I can send it to you or something. But mm. she's got this picture. She's painted that looks really good. Um, but yeah, she's she's always been adamant out. She wants to be a nurse, and she's sticking to her guns on that so far. So I guess we'll see what happens in the future. But I was pretty sure my daughter was going to be a pre law student, and instead, she's in art school. So. <laughs> you never know what happens, I guess. Um, yeah, you don't. Yeah, yeah, no, it's delightful. Good for her. Yeah, and by the way, it doesn't mean she couldn't play a little softball in college. And even like, uh, yeah, no. don't yeah, don't disregard like a nice D three, where us where a shorter white girl could get on the court a little bit and uh, and still make a little <laughs> money a little money for school. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tell her get out there, make some money. I keep I keep telling her, you know, she just played elementary basketball. She's just going into middle school. I keep telling her, I'm like, you need to be more aggressive. Don't be afraid to, you know, <laughs> get in there and just 
get at it. You know, I remember playing basketball back in eighth grade and I had a girl pulling my hair. <laughs> I'm not telling you to pull anybody's hair, but definitely elbow like, her in the side. Girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely give her a little bit in the side when she goes for the ball. It'll slow her but down next too, time. She's too nice. And I just think that's where she's not going to succeed in, in sports. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, it takes, it's like two more years and then that all goes away. Like I know like the girls were still worried about each other back then. Like I watched it too with Arden. Arden played a lot of softball as a young person. Mm-hmm. And when they were younger, you know, somebody would like, I don't know, like not get hurt badly, but you know, something would happen and all the girls would almost stop like a bunch of little moms. They're like, are you all right? And then they hit a certain age <laughs> And when that happened, they were like, keep going. She's hurt. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it goes away pretty quickly. That nice thing. Although I'm waiting for oh, it to gosh. come back with Kelly. I think it will one oh, day. Oh, gosh. She's almost 50, but I think she's going to nice back up anytime now. What do you think? Are you? Yeah. Yeah, I... you don't think so, Kayla? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Now, my youngest, she's, I wouldn't have to worry about her, you know, being aggressive in sports. She's. She's like a mixture of it all. I don't even know what she is yet to be. <laughs> nice. So, so tell me, tell me a little bit about your goals. So I know where your, I know where your, your range is, which is terrific that you're keeping on the CGM. By the way, you're using a Dexcom or a Libre? Dexcom G6. She G6. actually tried the G7, but um, she kept losing data signal. But she's got a habit of leaving her phone in like one room and trying to go throughout the house. Well, her range isn't as far with the G7. Right. So she went back to the G6 for the moment. I mean, yeah. I told her, I said, eventually, I'm pretty sure they're probably going to stop producing the G6. So you're going to have to do the G7. At some point, I would imagine. But, I, I don't think right away. I mean, obviously, they have their business arrangements with a lot of these, like with uh, Tandem mm-hmm. and Omnipod. But Tandem and Omnipod are like, this will be a little... Uh, a little incongruous with actual time, but um, you're starting to see them talk about G7 um, for Omnipod 5, G7 for Control IQ. Like, they're obviously working on it and getting pretty close to to bringing it out. I have to tell you, Arden's been using G7 for a couple months now, and I haven't seen any disconnects. Like, so I don't know if that just means that Arden is, like, tied to her phone differently, but I haven't had a problem with it. And she's been at college and home while she's using it so far. And I haven't seen anything like that. So I don't know like how it goes. I also don't know that they don't fine tune them a little bit after they're out in the world. Like this is my supposition. I don't know anything, but I think sometimes once they get out in the world devices, not just saying CGMs and they see, Mm -hmm. they, they get the return date on what's happening. They do have the ability to adjust them a little bit. So I always think that too, maybe, you know, it's coming. Yeah. And, and she actually mentioned that she goes, I think I might want to wait a few months to try it again and see if they make any changes. It's mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's much smaller, super easy to put yeah. on. Like the warm up period thing is what, 30 minutes. And sometimes it doesn't even last 30 minutes. You can, I don't know if you got to use it enough to do the overlapping, but that's amazing. You know, I told Arden about that up front, and she's like, I'm not doing that. Everything I tell her, she says she's not doing, by the way, in case you're wondering what you're in for in the next <laughs> 10 years. But now that she's home, I'm like, look, just try it. I'm like, you're, I'm like, the G7 is going to run out in like six hours. I'm like, put the other one on now and just leave it on for a couple of hours. And then whenever you think about it, just go in the app and switch it over and then tear the old one off and throw it away. A, there's no warm up because the warm up happened while you were still getting data from the old, the old mm-hmm. one. And it's also soaked in a little bit, so it's more accurate when you turn it on. It's fantastic! Like what a what a 
what a great little improvement, you know, really cool, actually. So she'll get there. She thought a pump was too bulky or she didn't want to wear two things. She thought the Omnipod was too bulky. Hmm. Okay. And she's had a couple instances where the Dexcom has ripped off. So one time her and her brother were actually resting around in the front yard and he accidentally ripped it off, which it hasn't hurt her when it's ripped off, I guess. Yeah. But um, she roughhouses a lot. So, and I don't know if that's part of it. Maybe. And she it's new to her um, as well. I mean, honestly, at some point when you show her, if you put this on and this on, it's going to make decisions about your insulin for you. And we're not going to like, we won't, when your blood sugar starts going up, the pump will bring it back down again. Boy, that might change her mind a little bit too. And I predict, you know, going into this school year where she's at a lot more sporting events, you know, without me and things like that. I predict that she'll eventually come to a point where she's going to come to me and say, hey, I want to do the pump. Yeah. Because she's going to realize it's a lot easier when she's out at those games and things like that and practices and stuff to manage with the pump versus, you know, the shots. Still, nothing wrong with it happening in her time, you know. Let her her come to it on her own. Uh, I, you know, I think it'll be easier in general if it's a decision she makes for herself. She's taught her friends how to give her shots. Her brother and sister, she taught how to give her a shot. Nice. Uh, that, yeah, wow. <laughs> I was like, you're more brave than I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just don't think you'd, there's some people you wouldn't let stick you with a needle? <laughs> I would, there's no way, no way in heck I would let my eight-year-old child shove me with a needle. So she is a lot more brave than I am. <laughs> Or she just hasn't been through enough to know not to trust those kids yet. It's <laughs> funny. Oh, that's very cool. So, um, yeah, I, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Nope, you're fine. I was going to say, I remember the first time she stayed the night anywhere. Cause she's usually the kid where her and her friends, I mean, during the summer, they're always at each other's houses. And so the first time she ever stayed the night. So that actually that summer, she really didn't stay the night much of anywhere, mm-hmm. which I think probably got to her a little bit. So the first time she actually did stay the night was at um, her friend's house, who doesn't go to our school anymore. She um, goes to a different school now with her, with the family that they live with. She stayed the night there, and I, I trust this couple. I mean, they've got a ton of kids, plus they're raising these other three kids now. Um, both their parents died in car crashes a year apart. Wow. My daughter was really close to that family, and so that those were terrible funerals, and that was just a terrible time. Yeah. Her friend was in the accident's as well. And there was one point, all we knew was that she had a brain bleed and they ended up messaging and FaceTiming every day while she was in the hospital. And that friend did the same for her when Zoe was in the hospital. And it's just been a lot. I remember I went to pick up Zoe the next morning and she actually called me. So Zoe started beeping low about, it was about three in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I waited, I told myself, I was like, I'm going to wait five minutes and then see. Well, she ended up, um, she texted me. She goes, I'm on my way to her now. She goes, I've got this. It's like, okay, perfect, you know. And she straightens Zoe out and everything. And the next morning, I go to pick Zoe up. And and she had corrected Zoe with an applesauce pouch because Zoe is a very hard sleeper. I mean, I tell her to open her mouth and all I do is squirt some stuff in her mouth and she swallows. It sounds terrible. And I'm like, you need to learn how to wake up when you move out, which is going to be a while. But, um, <laughs> and she's like... I went to take Zoe's blood sugar to see what she actually was. And she goes, I couldn't get any blood to come out. She goes, so I'm squeezing on her finger. And then she's like, I finally just said, screw it. And just went to go open the applesauce pouch. I put some in her mouth. And she goes, then some squirted all over her arm. She goes, then I think she goes, by that point, Zoe just shot up and woke up. And she goes, I had Zoe do it on her own. She goes, I don't know how you do it. 
Well, uh, to alleviate one of your possible concerns, I the only thing I was worried about when Arden left for college was that she wouldn't get up in the middle of the night if she needed to. And I mean, I was like really concerned and uh, it was never a problem. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Like once she knew it was her job to do, she just did it. And to show that it's a semi-conscious decision that she made when she can't, when she comes home for a break, she gets home and the first thing she says to me is like, you know, you're going to have to like wake up in the middle of the night if I get low. Like, like I'm here, I'm home to rest. Like, like I'm here to sleep. I'm not here to like, I'm not taking care of myself in the middle of the night again. <laughs> um, so it, it's, and I'm not going to tell you there weren't a handful of times where I didn't have to wake her up. Like there were, but there were more times where like I was, I, I would text and say like, Hey, I, you know, I, I don't know if you see you're low. And she goes, Oh, I took care of it already. Again, it was like three, four o'clock in the morning, a couple of times. So she was getting up and taking care of herself. And um, it was really kind of heartwarming. And at the same time, if I'm being completely honest, telling a full picture, I also felt bad because what it feels like to me is that she made that the same decision that we all make, you know, as parents, like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to, I'm not going to sleep as well because of this. And I'm just going to be okay with that. So I feel bad that, that she had to do that. And that obviously that's going to be her life. Uh, but I mean, I don't want to say it is what it is, but there's no getting around it. So um, anyway. Yeah, and that's that's one of my worries when she gets older, and obviously it's inevitable she's going to move about, and so that's always been in the back of my mind. And there's you know there's other things when your kids get older too that are in the back of your mind on how it's going to affect their future and all of that. But sure. yeah. I try and not dwell on it anymore. <laughs> it's good advice. Uh, but yeah. I'm like you know we're just learning to live with it, and honestly it hasn't held her back at all except. There was one instance um, after volleyball camp just a few weeks ago, um, all of the girls up and decided to go to one of the grandparents' house to have a pool party. Well, I was at work. And so my mom, the kids, my mom was supposed to go get her from volleyball camp and stuff. And so, and I didn't find out anything about this until I went to pick her up from my parents' house, you know, after work and everything. And, And then she submitly breaks down and starts crying. And I was like, what? What's the matter? Hmm. Then she comes out and tells me that all the girls decided to do a swim party at her grandparents' house. And she, well, for one, she's like, I didn't have my swimsuit with me. And I was like, well, we would have figured that out. I'm like, I'm sure grandma's got some, you know? And and then she goes, I didn't think you'd let me go. I said, what? And she goes, I didn't think you'd let me go. And at that point, I was like, I, I'm like, we would have, grandma and I would have figured it out for you to go, honey. You know, it's like, I don't want you to ever feel like you can't go participate in those things just, you know, because of your diabetes. I said, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time she was ever approached with a situation like that, where it's been a spur of the moment type of thing. Yeah. So she was actually really upset about that. She was the only volleyball girl that didn't go. And I said, that stuff comes up in the future. I said, message me or grandma. I said, we will figure it out. I said, I really, I said, diabetes should not hold you back from that. And has it happened again? Has she handled it differently? Nothing has happened again since. And I think after I told her that she, she was better and everything. Right. But part of me has that mom guilt too. Like, what have I done to make my daughter feel like I would say no? (laughs) Oh, no, I was going to say that. That's where I was headed next, Kayla. Like, but it's um, not that, not that you should feel like, oh, what have I done that made her think that? I just thought 
But that is in the back of her mind. Like when that came up and everybody else is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's thinking, oh, I have diabetes. We're not ready for that. We're not prepared. I probably can't do it. Um, and I know that's it's uh, it's an unbearable thing, like as a parent to watch happen. I, I Listen, the other night, uh, Arden had her period and her blood sugars were like difficult and uh, somebody got food and I know she was hungry and somebody said, hey, I'm going to order. I figured what they were ordering something. And Arden's like, no, I'm OK. But I knew she was hungry. And so I said, are you just not eating because of your blood sugar? And she's like, yeah, like she's like, my blood sugar is too high. I can't eat right now. And I was like, okay. I said, well, we could push it really hard and, you know, order some food and just, you know, bring it in. And then she was just like, no, it's okay. But that's not what she meant. She didn't mean it was okay. She meant, no, this is sucks. And I just, I don't want to think about it. So it was, I know what you mean. It sucks, you know? Yeah. And I ran into that situation with her a few times too. And one was actually, she wasn't high or anything. She's actually running really great numbers. I was at a birthday party yesterday and I mean, there obviously there was cupcakes and whatnot. And I said, I asked her, I said, Zoe, I said, are we dosing for a cupcake? And she goes, no, she goes, I don't, I don't want one about 10 minutes pass. And I was like, I'm not trying to pressure you as a diabetic to eat a cupcake. I said, but I see the look you're giving these cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> I said, are we dosing for a cupcake? She's like, no, I'll be fine. It's like, that's again, like, not what the about question. Half? Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. not, you know, I'm like, I can tell that's not the answer you're wanting to give me. Mm -hmm. And I said, what about half of a cupcake? I said, again, I'm not pressuring you. And she goes, I said, if you want, I said, we can just do. I was like, I told her, I said, if you want, we can just do a crap ton of insulin right now. And said, and as you start to go down, you can nibble on your cupcake. She's like, yeah, we'll do that. So I pushed, I think it was like three and a half units of insulin um, with what her ratios are. Right. And, um, as she started to go low, cause she's playing outside too. I mean, they live kind of, they've got like a ditch with some woods on the back of their property that my kids go play in. And so she's down there playing everything. And then I'd message her and like, all right, you're angled down. I'll come up and have a few bites. So she'd come up, have a few bites. She'd level out and then she'd go play again. And I mean, it took maybe it taken, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to eat her whole cupcake. But eventually she did. And her numbers ran perfectly. But so I could tell she wanted that cupcake. She just didn't want to end up going high or anything. I'm like, there's ways we can do this. So you don't go high. You just may not be able to shove it on your mouth like these other kids are. These monsters that are just like, and, <laughs> and then running away. You know, and, and better to eat it, honestly, better to eat it a little more slowly to begin with, right? Like, yeah, we all should probably be doing that. So, um, oh, good. I'm glad I'm glad she didn't um, just keep saying no. It's It's good to know that she... She's like, oh, I'll work with this. And and it was nice of you to stick with it, too, and to notice how she felt and not to just go, oh, okay, she doesn't want it and then never think about it again. Look at you. You're a good mom, Kayla. Yeah, I I try. Yeah. Sometimes the kids try my patience, but I do try. Well, there's a ditch behind your friend's house you can push them into if there's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, if I would have seen this board to begin with, I think there was like an old flimsy two by four that was laying across the ditch to connect two properties and the kids would cross out all the time and uh, my husband's friend the one that lives on the property he's like i built them an actual bridge you know so they wouldn't have to cross that two by four and then i saw the board i'm like if i would have known they were crossing that I'm like they would never been allowed to cross that to begin with i'm like they're lucky nobody ended up hurt <laughs> <laughs> there's a creek that ran behind where i lived when i was younger 
and we had to like get over it to basically avoid a 15 minute walk to somewhere. And, um, you know, in my mind's eye, this Creek was running, like it was a lot of water and it was deep and we would like jump from logs to rocks and like, you know, this whole thing. And I went back as an adult and I looked down there and I was like, I don't, is this even like a trickle? Like what's going through here? But in my mind's eye, it was just a river that ran through there. So (laughs) anyway, it's, uh, it's fun when you're a little doing stuff like that. I'd rather run across the board too than the, than the bridge probably, (laughs) you know, (sighs) my gosh. Well, uh, do you, you said earlier you were concerned about your other kids. Have you done trial net or anything like that to look into whether they have markers? You know, I, I get paranoid about them and maybe it's, I've never had anxiety before, but I think I have anxiety now. And so if I notice the kids drinking like an extra amount of water or something, or like one day I'm picking Connor from basketball practice. No, it was actually football practice. And he's like, I, He's like, I was super thirsty today at practice. He goes, I drink more than usual. I was like, let me see the bottom of your feet and you know, make sure his feet weren't dry and stuff like that. He's like, mom. And so some of the signs, and I've got the trial that actually for both of my kids sitting at home and I've had them sitting at home for about six months and I can't bring myself to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's like, you know, if I don't know, is that better than if I do know if they have it? You know, I don't. I don't know what to do in that instance. I don't know what I want to do yet. So I, I have these kids sitting at home that I've done nothing with yet because I don't know what decision to make, I guess. <laughs> oh, I think that's a fairly uh, reasonable response. And it's only you're only a year into it as well. So, yeah. You know, and I, then part of me is like, you know, if the, the kids know what those tests are for and if they ask for the results and if I'm like, yeah, you know, you tested negative for all the markers. But if I don't tell them. <laughs> then they're going to know, but like, well, oh my gosh, I'm worrying. I tested positive for markers and I don't want to lie. So, I mean, there's that other aspect and maybe I'm overthinking the trial net and all of that. I have no idea. does sound like but... you're overthinking it a little bit, but I understand why you, <laughs> I understand what you are. Um, I mean, what I would say is if your kids have markers for type one diabetes, then they're going to get type one diabetes at some point, uh, very likely. Yes. And that doesn't change anything, does it? What does it change? No, I, I don't know. Because on one hand, you know, you worry about if your kid's going to end up with it or not. But yet mm-hmm. on the other hand, if you know your kid's going to end up with it, maybe you worry a little bit more about when it's going to happen. I don't know. Oh, you're Honestly, worried. I have no idea. You're worried that I'm... the worry that would come with an actual confirmation <laughs> would be worse than the worry you have worrying about what may or may not happen. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And there's been there's been times where like, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm so paranoid with the other kids getting it that the other kids, like they started vomiting or I think something's happening. I have taken my other kids blood sugars sure, and there was, yeah, it's been crazy. Cause you know, looking back on Zoe before her diagnosis and honestly, probably at least a couple months before I noticed she had been getting more, more moody than what she normally is. She's normally not my moody child. And I was just attributing it to, you know, a girl getting older, starting to go through puberty and things like that. Mm-hmm. Then I noticed her start drinking more. Um, she has never been my kid to wet the bed. And there was a couple of times where she wet the bed at night and she is probably going to be so mad at me for saying that. But, um, and then I noticed she, um, I thought 
she just wasn't gaining weight. And I'm like, well, maybe she's just getting taller and stuff. And then there was, um, oh gosh, it was a few days before her actual DKA. Um, she'd come up to me and she goes, mom, she goes, my feet are really dry. And I'm looking, I'm like, they're, they're starting to crack. I'm like, what the heck, you know? And, and you still don't put two and two together at that point. Or maybe I just didn't. Cause I never thought, you know, you're, People who don't experience type 1 diabetes are very uneducated on the signs and symptoms and just educated and uneducated in general of yeah. type 1 diabetes. And so just putting all of those together, you know, you feel really, I I feel the mom guilt very badly. Oh, boy. And I mean, you know, you did get her to the hospital and she was okay. Right. It's just yeah. like, how would you like know to look for something like that? I don't know. I, I, I understand you feel that way. I would hope that in time you wouldn't anymore. So, I mean, and I'm not trying to talk you out of the way you feel. I felt the same way you did. Uh, but it does go away if you let it, I guess, is the is the point. Yeah. And Kayla, and- episode 156 is called Worry is a Waste of Imagination. Did you not hear that one? <laughs> No, I listened to your episode on Mom Hill, but not that one. Maybe I need to uh, listen to that one. <laughs> because because the truth is, if there's something to worry about or not, just worrying about it without knowing is it really is you're just imagining something bad. It's not it, it's not based on anything. At least if you're going to worry, let it be about something real. Cuz then That you, is true. Yeah, cuz then maybe A, you've got a good chance that you won't have to worry about anything. And if you do have to worry, at least your worry will be targeted and maybe valuable. Like maybe you would go to um, uh, T-Sealed and ask them about, you know, that medication that stretches out the onset of type one. Like maybe your kids would do that and put it off for a while. Like that would be pretty cool. You, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Don't get me wrong, but don't torture yourself. It's a short life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I think I'll get over the mom guilt eventually, but I'm it's been about a year and a half since diagnosis. Maybe I should be over it already. I have no idea. But yeah. but it's there and I think the hardest part of her diagnosis, honestly, as far as getting everything up and going and not necessarily squared away, but just trying to adapt to our new lifestyle essentially was was school because she wanted to go I mean, she was right back in school that following Monday, and and the only other type one diabetic in our school, um, she was in high school. She just graduated this year, and she was on an insulin pump. And I think she managed her diabetes differently than than we managed my daughter. My daughter were more strict and things like that. Mm-hmm. So in the elementary, they really had no experience, and and I'm not going to say names and go into the situation entirely because I think if they heard this, certain administration would just go off the deep end but um (laughs) but it was really rough in the beginning um there was one point i had i had someone i so we changed zoe's lunch ratios for lunch and actually the endocrinologist did because that was still the point where within a month of her diagnosis where i was still going to the endo for guidance and stuff after a month i i haven't asked the endo for guidance on any of her dosages after a month in of her diagnosis because they just, they played it too safe, I guess you could say. But, um, I mean, I had one of the staff 
yelling at me, like, why are you changing this? And I mean, they're not educated in type one diabetes whatsoever. And I mean, yelling at me in front of Zoe. And I was like, how is this okay? And I finally got it to where, and then the whole texting diabetes thing and, and see the nurse, me and Zoe were all in it. And, um, and this, and I had to fight to get that. I had to fight to get, um, basically Zoe to be able to kind of self-manage at school and stuff. Um, cause they, they were not okay with it. And I finally had to just gather an email together to everybody involved in the superintendent and stuff. And I had to attach like a copy of the Missouri statute that says she has a right to dose and carry anywhere, anytime mm-hmm. in a school setting. And I had to, there was even one point I had contacted the children's mercy social worker and I explained everything that was going on to her. And she goes, honestly, she goes, if you have any further issues, she goes, I would, um, she goes, I would take it, take it farther up the line. Yeah. And she's like, I would contact the ADA and all of that. And so it got pretty hairy for a while, but mm-hmm. ever since, ever since that email I sent them, I was professional in it and stuff. Um, ever since that email I sent them, um, things have been pretty good. Good. So we'll see how next year goes, but but yeah, it was very, very rough in the beginning with the school, but... It, it was a big deal when Arden was younger. One of our outgoing governors signed this bill, like literally on like the last day, you know, when they just, you know, when they do all the stuff on the last day that they think wasn't going to be good for them getting reelected. But once they're done, they're just like, they zip through everything. So they made it okay for kids to give themselves insulin in New Jersey in their classroom. That was a long time ago already. Um, but it was amazing how resistant they were the school was like no 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 it has to be in the nurse's office and they talked to you about it like it was like there was like a real reason and i couldn't wrap my head around it and then that 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 governor he signed that bill and then i found out about it and i was like arden's gonna give herself her insulin in her room now and they were like okay it was just like that like okay (laughs) so there was no real reason not to do it other than we were just doing what we were told like i gotcha and see the reasons i was told why they didn't want her to carry her own supplies and not even her own emergency pen and was what if other kids get into her stuff oh i would say those kids should keep their hands off of shit that's not theirs (laughs) that's exactly what i said good and um and i had to fight to get you know, for Zoe to be able to text me for guidance and things like that. And I said, look, I said, none of you are experiencing type one diabetes. I said, Zoe and I have it pretty fine tuned to what works for her. I said, I'm not asking for you to allow Zoe to be on her phone to message every, I said, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry. I'm like, it's literally strictly for diabetes only. And then they had come back with well you know what if another student sees her on a phone they're going to think they can get on theirs or have special treatment i said wait a minute yeah i said i don't care about the other kids and i said i know for a fact there's other kids in that classroom that get special treatment Mm -hmm. i said so you don't even go down that road with me (laughs) i actually told a person one time i said you tell those kids if they'd like to get an incurable disease they can have their phone too (laughs) Yeah. yeah if they think it's worth all that or otherwise you'd be an adult and manage the situation like I, yes. you know, I, my daughter's going to be unwell or less well because you're worried that a kid in her class is going to look at Instagram and that's not something you can deal with. Like try harder, you know, just, yep. yeah. Well, actually that reminds me one time when Arden was in middle school, she came home like very earnestly and she goes, dad, uh, at the end of the day today, we were having this conversation about something and I'm like, right. And she goes, it was the end of the day. And I'm like, okay. 
And she goes, so I looked at Instagram on my phone. And she's like, I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I was like, because we told her the phone <laughs> is just for diabetes. <laughs> I was like, sorry, darn. I was like, it was the end of the day, right? And she goes, yeah. I said, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> she goes, but it was on their Wi-Fi. I'm like, it's okay. Don't, don't, oh my God. don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. So she took it seriously. We told her like the phone is for this. It's not for that other stuff. And, you know, the other kids are going to be complaining. And she, she said she heard it a couple of times. Like, well, it's not fair. And Harden was like, fair. <laughs> Nothing about this is fair. Yes, exactly. Right. My gosh. Well, um, I just, it sounds like you worked through it okay, though. Yeah, we've we've worked through the school issues, I think, for the most part. Um, it was really rough in the beginning. And I say I had a lot of, a lot of issues with them and stuff. But um, I think we've ironed them out and Good. whatnot. And... I know one of their arguments about Zoe self-managing was she's a kid and they don't think she should have to take on that kind of responsibility. And I, I told them, I said, you know, she is a kid, but she's a kid with type one diabetes. I said, and this is, I'm like, it does suck. If I could take it from her, I would. I said, but this is her life now. This is our life. And if she doesn't learn how to manage it now, I said, she's never, I was like, I want her to manage it. So she grows up to be healthy and doesn't have all these complications. And yeah. And things like that. I'm like, I like, I can't help that you feel that she shouldn't have to have that responsibility. I'm like, that she does. I mean, point blank, I can't take it from her. <laughs> right. Also, in a world where the truth is that really well, like, educated people only are able to about halfway give you good information when they're helping you with your diabetes. Like, no offense to anyone. It's a great, it's a great job, and I think it's a, it's wonderful that people do it, but. You know, somebody who's a nurse at a school is not prepared to take care of, like, diabetes beyond, you know, that that they're medical people and you can give them a checklist and they can follow it and everything, which is terrific. I mean, it's amazing. But if you're looking for them for, like, deeper understanding, it's likely not going to come from them. And and now you're, you're saying they're the end-all be-all, and I don't know how that goes, you know. And, you know, I remember what one of the comments that really got me the most would kind of reach that crescendo of me emailing and finally getting what I want, you know, the texting, di texting diabetes, and then um, her being able to self-manage kind of anywhere, anytime, which I wasn't asking for anything. I don't feel like crazy. That was crazy. Yeah, you know, yeah. was I had got a phone call from one of the administration that just, that said, you know, I just with the school nurse and everything, she's like, it's like, I think she just, feels like you know you're kind of taking that control away from her i said what control she's my kid yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i get you guys are, are legally responsible for why she's in school and stuff i said but i'm not asking to keep anybody out of the loop i said i'm not saying she can't go to you guys at all i'm like i literally just want to be able to manage this in the best way possible for her so she doesn't have the higher blood sugars and and things like that mm. And there's there's been so much other stuff with the school at the beginning, but way too much to get into. But yeah, no, I think no. it's all good now, and we good. kind of reach that crescendo. And yeah, you you may you may have had a very similar situation that I did when Arden went into high school, um, and I sat in a little conference room, and the nurse was like, "Well, this isn't how we do it." And I was like, "Oh, that's something." I'm like, "It's how we do it." So, <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I'm sorry, am I worried about you? I was. I was like, <laughs> meeting so uh, is this meeting about how you feel i'm like uh, uh we're not worried about you <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah it's fantastic and then you know it got to the point where zoe came home and she's like i'm not comfortable making decisions at school on my own and because i feel like i'm going to be judged for it and i was like well great i mean i didn't 
really oh. know how to respond to her at that point or handle that. But I mean, we finally talked it out. She thought she'd be judged like, by the school and the nurses at the school. Just she thought that she would make a decision that they thought was wrong and oh. I guess essentially hold it against her or something. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. You should let her I've always... hang out with Arden for a couple hours. She wouldn't think like that anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've always told her, I'm like, look, if you end up giving yourself too much insulin, I said, you have sugar. If you end up giving yourself not enough insulin, I said, you right. have insulin to give. I'm like, plus, you know, what's epi- nothing's going to go wrong. <laughs> episode three clearly says texting is, I still think, like, if you're parenting a child with diabetes, texting is the absolute unsung, unsung, unsung. Where did that word go? It got caught in my throat. Unsung. There we go. Um, I'm not going to try to say it a fourth time because I got it the last time and I'm good with it. But it, it's technology that you can't ignore. It's very valuable. It, it it takes away the waiting in between. It it, it allows immediacy for treatment. It allows for mm-hmm. a kid to say, hey, I'm not sure about this. Or for you to say, hey, what are you doing? And like just you can have a 30-second texting conversation that eliminates so many problems and really doesn't interfere with their day. And um, yeah. I, I think it's just the way to go, honestly. So Yep. And I – so I've listened to your episodes on that, and I, I listened to probably about every single episode I can find on on people's issues with school and 504 and all of that. And I've kind of implemented all that from the juice box, plus the research I've done with, you know, like the ADA and, you know, Missouri statutes. And I just threw all that at the school, and I was like, here you go. I'm like, I am not asking for anything nobody has asked for before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I said so. We're not doing anything like crazy here. <laughs> I mean, you've said it a couple times. We're not doing anything crazy here. Just... Try to think outside of the box for half a second. I hate that term because it sounds douchey, but uh, but like just try <laughs> to just try to think outside of the box for two seconds here, and like we have a thing. It's going to work. Like it's going to work so much better than the thing you want to do. And it yeah. isn't isn't her health like in general like not just her health by the way day to day, but her expectations for her health and her expectations for her autonomy and all those other things that you don't realize you're building as you're going. Like you, if you teach her, it's not on me, it's on somebody else. That's how she grows up thinking. And if you teach her, well, I'm busy at school today, so a 200 blood sugar is okay. Well, then that's how she's going to manage her health moving forward. Like that'd be a hard, a hard thing to break later as a bad habit. Yep. And, and that's, you know, what I told the school too, I said, I'm trying to create good, healthy habits now and her to manage it now. Yeah. I said, and honestly, she is my most strong-willed child. Um, but she's she's done pretty fabulous with this. I mean, we don't sounds terrific. We don't let it hold us back, and we're about to go in a couple of weeks on on a river float down south for about six to seven hours. And last summer, we went to my uncle's cabin in the mountains. It's completely off the grid, no cell phone service or anything. We were up there for three days, and hmm. I mean, it's we don't let it hold us back, but. I mean, we do have some things to work through still and stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's things that haven't come up yet in just the measly year and a half that we've been dealing with this, but yeah, they will. They'll come up. And then but you <laughs> but you you apply this this way of thinking to those things and you'll be surprised how well they work out. You know? Just be get yeah. com- common sense, put yourself and your health first. That that really is the way to get to it. Honestly, and this thing, you know, I want to, we're kind of, we have to wrap up here in a second, but like 
the way you plus you probably have to pay or go home or something. But I'm still staring at all of I work at a um, agricultural equipment company, a John Deere dealership, essentially. And so I'm I've been sitting here staring at all of these combines for the last hour. (laughs) (laughs) But but, um, uh, you, you talked earlier about like you didn't think you were a person who had anxiety, but now you feel like that. And I don't know, like anxiety to me, I'm not discounting anyone's anxiety for certain, but it feels like a word that gets thrown out around a lot lately. And, you know, I mean, if there's something you're worried about, then I think you should try to eliminate that worry and see if that feeling doesn't change for you as well. I just, I didn't want to get off without mentioning that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if there's a thing you're worried about, stop worrying about it. And I don't mean just like magically stop worrying about it, but find a way not to worry about it. Like uh, prove it to yourself. My, you know, my husband's pretty much told me the same thing. It was like, what's going to happen is going to happen. And I think I'm most honestly worried about my other two kids getting it. And I know there's families out there with multiple type ones and I, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. But well, they do it because that's what they got to do. And you would too, if you yeah. had to. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Same way. Everybody does everything, you know, just get up in the morning and don't give up pretty much it um yeah like you and i aren't married so i could tell you just to calm the f- down but your husband can't say that so, <laughs> and if i went downstairs and said that to the lady downstairs you wouldn't get the podcast anymore because i'd be dead so <laughs> but here, yeah. yeah here we are and it's good advice <laughs> yeah and i could use that advice given to me sometimes too by the way i'm not I'm, i wasn't saying because you're a lady Some, <laughs> sometimes you just you know you get a little wound up in something and it's hard to it's hard to get away from. And then the one person you count on to help you is the one person who you push back on when they when they try to help you. It's a uh, life's weird. I don't want to I don't want to get too deep. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And I probably do just need to calm down and stop worrying about, you know, yeah. what could happen in the future. And I've never been that tight. But I mean, it's I'm working on it. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, and I honestly being serious, like you're aware of it. I think that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not just telling, like, you're not telling me, like, I'm upset. I don't, I like, it's not unfocused, your, your response to it. You, you know what's happening. So anyway, I say, here's what I do. I'd give the kids the trial net thing. It's very likely going to come back that they don't have markers and then you'll be okay. And if it comes back that it doesn't have markers, lie to them for a while. It's fine. You can do whatever you want. You're an adult. (laughs) That that is true. I mean, As a parent, I guess we can't say that we've never lied to our kids. <laughs> and it, it's not really lying, is it? Like, I'm being serious. Like, I know I brought this up earlier and I bummed everybody out. And I'm going to do it one more time, okay? So people are going to hear this some six months after this happened. So try while you're listening not to feel bad, please. But um, <laughs> my mom, like, you've, if you've listened to this podcast, like, my mom got cancer. She uh, had a a significant surgery that removed it. She did chemo and rehab for a year. She was pronounced cancer-free. She moved out to Wisconsin to live with my brother. Um, And maybe about six months later, her cancer markers started to creep up again. And we, you know, did exactly what we were supposed to do. But there's no doubt, like, you know, going through chemo, like, slowed her down a little bit. So, you know, her memory wasn't as good. She's tired a little more often, like, those sorts of things. And we could get her to the doctor and be like, oh, it's a heart doctor appointment, mom. She'd be like, yeah, yeah, a heart doctor appointment. And, you know, like, and even if the doctor said right in front of her, like, you know, it's not like she's listening with the same ear she was 30 years before that. So when we took her back and the markers went up, we asked the doctor, well, what, what are you going to do? And he goes, well, right now we can't do anything except check the markers again in 30 days. And they did. They went up again. So they gave her a CT scan. 
and the scan came back clean. So we, there was nothing for us to really do in the moment. And, um, anyway, we never told my mom that they were checking on her cancer. We never did. And for the last six months of her life, she got blood tests where they tracked the markers and the CT scan that showed that my mom's cancer returned pretty significantly, um, arrived, uh, a couple days after she had a stroke and just a day or two before she passed away. And I have to tell you, I'm not just happy that she didn't know. I'm proud that she didn't know. Like, I'm I'm happy that my mom lived the last year of her life thinking she beat cancer and it never came back. And I'm not saying to lie to your kids for 20 years about they have markers for type 1. But if they do, then on your time, when you're able to articulate it well in a setting that is controlled, that um, is right for them, you'd be able to tell them that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not lying. It's just good management of relationships. I think. I don't know. I'm sure people disagree. I think. I think my son could handle the news, but I know my youngest 100 would not not be able to handle it yet. There's around the time of her diagnosis, within that year or two, there was just so much death within the community. I just she's still right. She still worries over her sister's diabetes, and I just have to reassure her, like, you know, everything is handled. I mean, you know, it's... She's little. I she's think, like seven, right? So you she's said, eight. She'll eight. be nine okay. in August. Yeah, listen, if my if I had your situation and my eight-year-old's numbers came back and she had, I don't know, a marker for type 1 diabetes, and they told me, look, it's possible that she could get it, and it's possible she won't get it, I would not pull her aside and tell her that. I just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, all right, listen, we know now to pay attention a little more. I'm not going to burden a nine-year-old with this, an eight-year-old with this. If it came back, she had four markers, and they were like, look, she's going to get diabetes the next time she sneezes. Then I, you know what I mean? Then I might start talking to her about it a little bit. And and even not even talking directly right away, but just prepping her in ways that she might not even see coming. I don't know. There's a way to do it is what I'm saying. You could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been talking to you for an hour. You're a bright lady. You'll figure it out. It's better than you wandering around worried all the time about something that probably isn't going to happen. <laughs> Makes me upset. Plus, I imagine your husband is- not, not able to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine what goes through his head. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You don't have to imagine. We would tell you if you asked. Like, we, we're not smart <laughs> enough to keep it to ourselves. So the key is do us women want the truth of what you guys are thinking or not? <laughs> I I don't imagine you do. If you could hear inside of my head, Kayla, I still sound like I'm like 16 years old. Like, I swear (laughs) to you the other day. Here, we're going to end here, right? I've been married for like 26 years. Like a really, really long time. And my wife comes upstairs and we're going to go out. Like she's been working all day. And I guess if I'm being honest, she was wearing like a sports bra. And we're going to go out. So she comes up to put a real bra on. And she does it in my office while we're talking, but under her shirt. And all I could think was, would it kill her to take that off while she's putting that bra on? Like, why is she wearing the shirt while this is happening? Like, I was 15, is what I was thinking. I've seen my wife's boobs so many times, Kayla. (laughs) And I swear to you, we're sitting there talking about where to go to dinner. And all I could think was, like, I wonder why she's, like, why wouldn't she just take that shirt off to do that? (laughs) Anyway, so we're thinking something along those lines, in case you're wondering. Uh, yeah, for all of my, you. Yeah. yeah, my husband's the same way. We've actually, I'll, I'll be 34 July 2nd, but we've been together since I was 16. So 
it's been quite some time for us too. And there's moments where I'm like, does, does he have to, you know, do that every time I do the dishes or just, I think he just pushes the buttons on purpose. And I think you probably know what I'm talking about. And- oh my God. I actually, my wife came out of the shower one day and I could hear the little voice in my head go, Oh, boobies. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's how it works. I'm sorry. Uh, it, <laughs> like you could, I could act like it doesn't. You could tell people like, oh, I listen to this guy. He's really good at diabetes. He seems really smart. About I swear to God, like that's a, she, I was like, oh, oh, this is it. This is it. Uh, so I don't, I'm sorry. I apologize. I feel dumb saying it. I'm not going to lie to you, but uh, it's the absolute truth. So no, anyway. I'm, my husband's the same way. So yeah, no, nah, that's, all. I think it's, yeah. Yeah. Don't ask us what we're thinking. If that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've learned that already, I think. And by the way, the minute it's not like that, the minute it's not like that, she'll be like, why don't you why aren't you interested in seeing this? And I'm like, oh, OK, like I can't possibly win. So, you know, I just <laughs> no, you guys can't. I just I'm playing the game till she decides to smother me with a pillow. That's all. <laughs> Which I'm assuming this the decision's been made. She just doesn't have the nerve to do it yet. But it's it's one day. I fully expect that's how I go out. Just in yeah, case you're I, expecting it right now. That's why she hasn't done well, it yet. I, I I guess I should record it here. If anybody hears I died in my sleep, call a cop. That's not what happened. <laughs> it's not what happened, and it needs to be investigated. Okay, thank you. All right, Kelly, you were delightful. I appreciate you doing this very much. Thank you. I I really do appreciate you taking the time. Yep, not a problem. Thank you. Cool. Hold on one second. If you'd like to wear the same insulin pump that Arden does, all you have to do is go to Omnipod.com slash juice box. That's it. Head over now and get started today, and you'll be wearing the same tubeless insulin pump that Arden has been wearing since she was four years old. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G V O. K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the Juice Box Podcast private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. But everybody is welcome. Type 1, type 2, gestational, loved ones, it doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, comfort, or community, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. The episode you just heard was professionally edited by Wrong Way Recording. WrongWayRecording.com.